Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke 1, 26 through 38. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Luke in your Bible. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, who will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Thank you, Sam. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Well, in case you didn't know, I am the smoothest guy around, right? I never make any kind of mistakes. Oh, that's hurtful. It is. It's shiny. It is smooth. Well, last week we started um, the Advent season with a word. We started with with barrenness, right? And we said that barrenness is not just uh, not being able to have kids, but we kind of labeled two different types. Uh, One, we said physical was that it, it's, you know, the brokenness that we, we feel in our, in our bodies. Um, it includes that barrenness, like Zachariah and Elizabeth experienced, the, the old couple that, that feature prominently in the, in the first bit of Luke. Um, but we also said there's kind of this existential barrenness, this brokenness that's in the air that we breathe um, that, that feels like hopelessness and loneliness and despair. Um, we said that the Advent story starts there, uh, because that's where we're all at still. Um, that, it, that it's hard for us to live in this world because it's, well, it's, it's still broken, even though that Jesus has come into it and has begun to undo all of that brokenness. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks, Zechariah will sing about, about John and how he's going to proclaim the way for the one who, who brings a light into the darkness. Well, uh, in that story, we, we move from literal barrenness to fruitfulness, which, which I said from the very beginning is God's intention for creation, that we might, that we might flourish, we might be fruitful and to multiply, not, not just in having kids, but in, in the world becoming all that it should be, in its goodness and its wholeness, uh, its flourishing. I told you that was going to be my favorite word for, for a while. And so we, we see that Elizabeth becomes pregnant, and we're, we'll, uh, we'll look at John the Baptist's birth next week. Um, but this week, the, the, the narrative shifts, and Luke does this. He, he starts with John, and he goes to Jesus, and he goes back to John, and he goes back to Jesus. 
And uh, it's just kind of how he's, he's stringing us along a little bit, helping us to understand where his very well-laid-out story is going. Uh, and, and it starts, um, it starts in, a, in, in a place that, that most of Luke's readers would have never heard about. So, um, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if you can see it, but uh, right up here is Nazareth. Did it show up? Yes! Uh, actually, I drew halfway over it. It's, it's, uh, go. Right there. Oh, huh? Nah, who cares? Okay. All right. Well, it's up there uh, in, in the section of Galilee. And Luke says, hey, the story is going to go. There's a, there's a girl named Mary, and she is in Nazareth of Galilee. And um, it, it is, uh, he includes these little markers uh, because for a lot of people, it, it's, it's just the backwoods of, of Israel. Um, it, it, it might be like explaining to someone from a really, really big city on either of the coasts where Fulton, Missouri is. Right? So like, oh, there's a, a, a virgin named Mary from the town of Fulton, which is in the region of Missouri. No? Uh, okay. All right. Maybe it's not like that at all. But... Uh, this is, he, he includes this so that we might, we might know where it, is that, uh, where it is that Mary and this thing is, is taking place. Now, uh, again, we have an angelic visitation. And I don't know what Mary is doing at this particular point. I imagine that she's not anywhere where she's surrounded by a whole bunch of people because this kind of encounter is going to draw some attention. Uh, I, it's doubtful that she had her own room, but maybe she's out doing some, some chores and the angel appears to her. Uh, and says, brings to her, says this. Uh, and he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Well, actually, we have a couple of details actually we need to get to before this one. A couple of things. She is young, and girls of this area, if they were to be engaged, they were likely 12 or 13 years old, maybe, maybe a little bit older. They are, they're barely adults, not really, what we would call adolescents, right? And, uh, and so they would have been in uh, an arranged marriage with somebody. Uh, obviously, Mary's parents and Joseph's parents got together, and they said, let's, uh, let's have our kids marry each other, because that's, that's what you do. And so Mary is engaged to this guy named Joseph. And Joseph is mentioned here specifically to, uh, to connect Jesus and Mary to the line of David. Uh, David being Israel's greatest king, and and we'll find out in a little bit that the angel says to Mary that, that his, Jesus' kingdom is going to be like David's, except that it's going to, have, it's going to not have any end. Uh, the other little tidbit we get is that Mary is a virgin. And this is mentioned twice by the narrator and once by Mary herself. Um, and this, this point will be important, and it becomes important in church history too, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is per, to, to proclaim to all who hear it that this baby named Jesus uh, is different and is special. Uh, that he's not come about in the normal means, but that he is, uh, well, that he's, he's God in flesh. Uh, that the creator and maker and sustainer of the world becomes one of us. In fact, I think that Joseph is the most famous biblical character that did absolutely nothing. Right? He's, he's just there. 
He's there as a placeholder, as a, as a marker, as a connection to Israel's history. And I'm sure he was a good dad and, and a good wife, but he's, he's, just, he's just there. Well, Mary's hanging out, or, yeah, Mary's hanging out and uh, the angel comes to hers and says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, right off the bat, the very first word, let me not the very first word, but the first words out of the angel's mouth are words of grace. Uh, before Mary has done anything, uh, before she's accepted this invitation to participate in what God is doing in the world, uh, she is given grace. Uh, literally translated uh, favor uh, is one upon whom grace and respect and honor has been bestowed. Uh, and uh, and this, is, this is not unusual in these kinds of stories that happen in Israel's history. Uh, a lot of stories, this is how it kind of begins. And, and while, while Mary will do a lot of the work in participating in the, in the birth of Jesus and his growth and his development, like the initiative, the, the beginning of this plan belongs fully and finally with, with God, who has looked down on the brokenness of the world and in love has begun to set upon emotion, set in motion a plan to bring about the restoration, salvation, and the restoration, uh, redemption of all things. So, uh, but in similar ways to a lot of these Old Testament ones too, um, grace is followed by a promise of divine help. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary doesn't know at this point, what's coming. And, and maybe she understands enough of the Bible to understand what, what's happening here, that, that this very beginning is something that's special uh, and, and that tips her, the angel's hand that, that something great is going to happen and she's going to be a part of it. But from, from the very beginning, the God's grace ends up uh, pointing towards God's resource in helping Mary to be able to do the things that she's doing. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Uh, perplexed. Um, have any of you been per- perplexed before? All the time, I am perplexed. It's not just like, it's not like just confused or not understanding what's happening, but it's, it's, a, deep, it's a deep sense of, of bewilderment and uh, an inability to kind of piece all the little pieces together to understand What's happening? Maybe there's just a little bit of shock involved in all of this. Now, I imagine if an angel showed up to you and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you, that you might be a little perplexed as well, right? I would, I would. Um, so she's, she's trying to work out all of these things, and, and she's hearing him, and she's trying, trying really, really hard to understand, and she pondered what sort of greeting this might be. there's a lot that happens in those little moments, right? Uh, When something big is announced to you, I don't know, maybe time slows down. Maybe it does for you. I don't know if it does for me or not. I don't really thought about it that much. But your mind can race and you can go through a lot of things when something big like this is announced. She ponders it. She's not just perplexed and doesn't stop there, but she's seeking desperately to understand what it is that this angel is saying to her, and maybe what the ramifications might be as she continues to go through life. 
I got to thinking this week specifically about Zechariah in the temple. He's doing his thing. And I wonder if Luke wants us to compare and contrast these two characters and their responses. Uh, we said last week that Zechariah, I think, gets hung up on the, you're old and your wife is going to have a baby part. Like that he's, he, and he's just like, he can't get past that. Um, and he's like, how will I know? What's the sign that this is going to take place? And I don't think he's truly invested in trying to, to understand in its fullness what, well, what this birth of his child might mean for himself and his family and for, for Israel as a whole. I wonder, though, if, if Zechariah's main response to the angel is one of fear. Um, I wonder if there's maybe something different happening in Mary's heart in Mary's mind. Maybe she's just too young to truly understand. Maybe she has a, a naivete that, that just kind of is willing to accept what is being told to her, but yet there's something genuine and faithful in it. That, that even though she may question and doubt what this might all mean, that her doubt and her questioning is fully oriented towards faithful understanding and faithful obedience. She was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. On Friday night, we went to go see a play in Jefferson City. It was just like a community play, um, trying to be cultured and all those kinds of things. And uh, part of this was uh, some street performers doing a um, well, uh, like a Christmas play, right? retelling this. And one of the things I loved about the particular scene where the angel comes to Mary and then says, do not be afraid. And Mary's first response was, well, it's a little too late for that. <laughs> like, why didn't you lead with that one first? Uh, I, I wonder if in this moment the angel sees Mary's face and, or maybe he's just, been with Zechariah, and Zechariah's been, been terrified, and, and maybe, it's just the, maybe it's part of the script. I don't know. But again, do not be afraid. And again, favor and grace are the words that God offers to Mary. Don't be afraid. God's grace, God's blessing is with you. Well, the angel, um, the angel continues to talk and uh, I don't have it on the screen for you. Uh, but he says this, And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And his name will be Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will have no end. Uh, that's a lot for like a 12 or 13 year old to take in. <laughs> okay, one, she's a virgin, like we've been told. Uh, two, words like son of the most high, which is like shorthand for the, the, the greatest God, like the, the high God, the big God, God, Yahweh, as Israel would have called God. The God above everything else, uh, and there are no other gods, but the God who spoke the world into creation, into existence, and who called Abraham, led Israel up out of the land of Egypt, and all of those things. Uh, just imagine what she's going through in her head. 
She says this, though. Her response is, is maybe not unlike Zachariah's, but maybe different. I don't know. I have, I have a hard, hard time uh, deciding whether it's different or the same. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? Like, she knows how babies are made, right? And she knows that, that that's not been part of her activities. And so she knows, she's like, okay, it's like, how, how, is, this, how is this going to take place? How is this going to take place? She's, she's, con, uh, she can, um, she's just too confused. Uh, and the angel responds, the Holy Spirit will come on you with power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, children, the child will be born, will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And to prove himself, he's like, even now your relative is, Elizabeth is in her old age, has conceived the son, and is in the sixth month, for she was said to be barren. So he's saying to her, hey, okay, okay, it's fine, it's fine. You're going to get pregnant, but it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. Now, I think I would have been a little thrown off just by the fact that, like, I'm going to be pregnant, but then by the Holy Spirit. And, and I've spent a lot of time this week uh, thinking about how Mary has this conversation with her parents and, and with Joseph. Uh, how do you go back and, and say, hey, by the way, I'm pregnant whenever this happens? And they're like, okay, what happened? And she's like, an angel came to me and it said it was the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were a parent, how are you going to react to that? If, if you're Joseph, how are you going to react to that? I, I just had a conversation before this. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. Uh, but I wonder, I wonder what it would have been like for, for Mary as she continued to ponder all of these things and, and to try to put all the pieces together if she projected out into the future what this birth might mean for her. Uh, her culture was an honor and shame culture. And so the things you did either brought you honor or it brought you shame. It either brought your family honor or it brought your family shame. And so uh, maybe Joseph, by his acceptance of her, made things a little bit better. But I think there still would have been rumors, people whispering, as people do. I wonder what it would have been like for Mary and maybe the subsequent children that she had uh, would they have gotten picked on? Uh, would, would Joseph had lost business revenue because he's, well, he's part of this thing? As Jesus grows, does he, does he suffer shame himself? Is, is he readily accepted by his friends or is he kind of an outcast? Who, who knows? These are, these are all things that I think, well, the Bible doesn't tell us and we just don't know. But I think they're worth thinking about because I, I think it, by the time we get to the end here, I think it, it points to maybe some of the difficulties it is in saying yes to what God is calling us to do. I wonder what the price will actually be for Mary. Not just that she will watch her son die on a cross, but there's a whole bunch of years in between there and what that means for her. Uh, the angel ends his speech with these words. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing. Notice, though, the, the future tense. It's not nothing is, 
but nothing will be. In fact, actually, if we translate it more literally, it would be no word, for no word will be impossible with God. No word. Everything that the angel has said is going to come about, and and it's because of God's greatness and God's power. But I wonder if Luke's choice of vocabulary here, for no word will be impossible, if, if if he wants us to look back and think about creation, Every story, a story that, that every Jewish person would know that, that in the beginning God created. He spoke and the light and darkness separated and the earth and the sea separated and little creepy crawly things and animals and finally humans were spoken all, created all by the word of God's mouth. I wonder if Luke wanted us and his readers to see in this uh, that this is part of God's ongoing care and creative activity in the world. Uh, That the God who is big enough to speak everything into existence is now big enough to to make a virgin give birth. Uh, Big enough to take the world the way it is in its brokenness and transform it into the kingdom of God. that he's able through the death of Jesus to bring about salvation and redemption for all of us. Mary's response is pretty great. She says, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Here I am, the servant of, your Lord, of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. I wonder if Zechariah, if he would have gotten the chance to talk after he asked that question, would have responded similarly. Maybe he would have, I think. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But here we have this young woman who has no idea what this event will mean for the rest of her life in faithfulness, accepting what it is that God is inviting her into. Maybe this will derail us, I don't know, but the conversation that <laughs> Lori had with me and then some others right before church, like, uh, could Mary have said no? How many other people rejected God's invitation before Mary? I, I don't know. These are just fun questions to chew about over dinner. But the fact is, she, she doesn't reject God. But that in faithfulness, she says, here I am, servant of the Lord. May it be as you have said, according to your word. We're in the second week of Advent, and we, we tell these kinds of stories every year as we approach Christmas. And I think part of the difficulty is that we're so familiar with them, right? Like we know this story. Um, you know, part of Luke's gospel will end up in a Charlie Brown Christmas. Uh, it's just really, really familiar to us. But But I wonder if we've if we've stopped and paused and really, really contemplated what's happening with Mary. Uh, that, that God is using Mary in such a significant way. In such a, a really kind of tangible and physical way. Uh, I, I think sometimes we're, we're used to just thinking that God kind of works saving people from heaven and, and whatnot. 
and, and that our job is just to get people to accept Jesus Christ, which, I mean, that is, that is part of our job. But here it is, Jesus is a person. That God is actually taking up residence inside of Mary. That Jesus isn't just some kind of spirit or he doesn't just look like a human being, but that Jesus is fully, well, he's fully part of Mary. That God uses Mary's DNA and her blood and her bones and her flesh. That he enters the world just like the, the rest of us in just the physical of it. I wonder, I wonder, even though you and I will never really have God, like, we'll never give birth to God, to put it that way. But I wonder if we stopped and, and asked ourselves, like, how is it that God wants to use me in the same kind of way? Uh, that, that empowered by the Holy Spirit that we, we take God with us into the places that we go, into our families and our homes, our schools and our jobs. I, I, wonder, I wonder if we've stopped and asked ourselves if, if, if God is calling to use us in those similar kinds of ways. I wonder if at the same time, we're a little bit like Mary and, and that we're maybe a little scared of what's going to happen. And we're, we have a hard time getting our minds around, well, if I'm truly given to what God is calling us, calling me to, if I'm truly giving to, what is this going to do to the rest of my life? Ha, it's, it's scary. How am I going to explain this to my friends and to my family? How much is it going to cost me personally to participate in what God is doing in the world? To be part of God's salvation in Fulton, Missouri. I I think that's the question for us this week. I hope, I hope that like, well, Mary didn't run away. She could have, right, I think. But that we will be faithful and obedient like Mary was because I believe very firmly that God's words to us today and every day are this. Greetings, favored ones. The Lord is with you. God's first words to us are words of grace And then there are words of empowerment and provision and help for those who commit to participating in God's kingdom. And it is my prayer that as we hear those words to us, greetings, favored ones, the Lord is with you, that we will respond in the very same way that Mary responds. May it it be like, well, here I am, the servant of your Lord. May it be so according to your word. May we accept that God is in us and with us and that God wants to use us in very tangible ways for his kingdom and his glory in this world, for its salvation and its restoration. 
And though it might be difficult to understand how we do that, and though it might be difficult to know what that might cost us, and though it might be scary, and though there are people in our lives who may not understand our commitment to loving like Jesus loved in faithfulness and sacrifice, that we would respond like Mary responded. I hope that's, that's what I want for us. That's what I want for myself. And it's, it's scary even for me. But I think in, in the midst of this particular season, as we draw close to, to, to Christmas time and the birth of Christ, that we might see this as a hopeful opportunity for us to participate fully with God. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.